What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, we are now on to episode two of season five of Straight Up Sabres. Very, very exciting stuff. Thank you all so much to those of you who tuned in to our episode on Monday featuring Brian Duff. If you have not yet, make sure you go back and listen to that. It was a really, really great time getting to chat with Duffer. So make sure you're checking that out. But Taylor, it is one of our annual episodes that we are always so excited to have. Folks, we are going to each be sharing our five predictions for the Buffalo Sabres this season. So if you've been a longtime listener of the show, you know Taylor and I do this episode at the start of every year. We do a Sabres-specific one, and then we do a league-wide one. And our Sabres one, we try to get a little bit non-traditional with some of our predictions. It's not just so-and-so is going to hit X amount of points or anything like that, or so-and-so is going to lead the team in scoring. While those absolutely are in play, we try to have a little bit of a variety. And so, Taylor, do you have anything to say before we get things started here? I can give you one that I had to scrap because it's too likely to happen. Okay, give it to me. Zemgus Gergensen's reaches top 10 in franchise history in games played, um, which just I just realized that's a, just a fact. Like, he only has to play 57 games to do it, and it's like, unless he gets hurt, he's just going to do that. So that's, that's something, huh? Top 10 in franchise history. That makes me feel things that... Wow. I don't love it's wild. <laughs> yeah. I remember when we were like, hey, past Drury, past Briere, past Hashik, all these guys. And it's like, wow, he is he's just gonna keep on going. He's had injuries too. Gergensen's has missed a lot of time in his career. It's not a guy that's just played 82 every year. So that's yeah. pretty wild, isn't it? Wild is uh yeah, we'll, we'll go with that word. <laughs> all right, so I'll I'll get to my first one. And when I go back and look at these these past couple of years, we've done Darlene ones the past couple of years. I've had a lot of faith in Darlene, and he's actually exceeded it both times. So this time, I just got to give another step up. Assume he's going to continue to get better and say, this year, Norris finalist, Rasmus Darlene. Hey, there we go. That's right. Uh, so I think a couple of years ago, I said 50. And he ended up getting like 56. That's when he was like the first defenseman to get that many since like Gary Galley or something like that. And then Your last boy. year, I, yeah, my boy, I upped it and he was almost a point a game player. He had more than 70 points. So this year, I think he continues to be like the same amount of productive, but continues to grow on the defensive side, which I don't think know how many people have realized that he's he has gotten better in that way. He was kind of a disaster for a little while, which you expect out of an offense first teenager. Right. But. He's gotten significantly better, and some people, I don't know, maybe outside of Buffalo haven't realized it. Maybe people, some people in Buffalo haven't even realized it. There was a big debate. Maybe some people have. Maybe it's just some people. Maybe it's a growing thing because there was a thing this week, another hockey podcast, a former NHL player posited that you, uh, it would be a good trade for Buffalo to trade Dallin for Zegris and Drysdale. Well, this is not a trade that would ever happen, no. but – and another NHL player is like, you're crazy. And this guy was like, Dallin plays no defense. Drysdale is going to be a stud. Got to say, a lot of people reacted negatively. And Sabres fans seem to be on the same page, but a lot of NHL fans seem to be like, this is crazy. Why would they do that? So maybe people are figuring out with Dallin. And that's important because writers vote on this. So we need that to be kind of a reputation. It's not like every writer in the country is always watching the Sabres. So once your defensive reputation gets to that point, or the other thing he could do is kind of be an undeniable score. Because last year, the guy that won the Norris, <laughs> not a good defensive player. In his prime, he was just a fine one. And he won two Norrises. And now he had his best, most productive season, Eric Carlson I'm talking about. And 
now he's like he was like as bad as any defender in the league last year and he won the Norris, which I thought was fine, but it's just if Dowling gets a hundred points, I guess he could win the Norris too. And there's no other compelling candidate. Yeah, I, I like this one, Taylor. I uh I'm pretty in agreement here that I think that this is very much in the realm of possibility for Darlene. I mean, you said it yourself there. There was obviously the jump in his offensive side of his game, really putting it all together and and becoming the the offensive force that we all knew he could become when he was drafted first overall by the Sabres. But yeah, you're, you hit the nail on the head that people really do not give credit to how much he has rounded out his defensive game. And I think that extends to a few areas. I mean, obviously, as we're talking about just like playing his own zone and, and just his presence, Darlene has always been a guy, especially as of late, I shouldn't say always, but like Darlene is a guy that, he know he's just because of his vision on the ice and because of what a good passer he is, he's always good as, at making those outlet passes to be able to get the puck out of the zone and advance it into the neutral zone. You have that component. You have his defending in general, whether it's net front presence, whether it's behind the net, whether it is coming down the half wall and he has to defend against like a zone entry or a rush attempt. We just we saw all of those areas of his game grow and grow throughout last season. But one of the things that we talked about a lot that I think is a really underrated component of this game, too, not that it's the be all end all by any means, but it, I, I thought it was pretty remarkable how much he really developed a physical side of his game, too. And, and that's more than just like checking. He was not afraid to be a force out there in front of the net and, and be able to not do like the wrist aligning, you know, pushing guys after the whistle kind of thing, but actually bodying guys a bit and being able to establish a good presence in front of the net. Now that's not something that's an every night thing. And of course that he, that is something that he absolutely needs to round out in his game a little bit more, but just from the player that we had seen from the the few years prior to last year, it just felt like there was a lot more opportunities where he was stepping up into hits and finishing his checks. And even after the play, like getting into scrums and sticking up for his guys. I, I think in part that kind of coincides with him knowing that this is going to be his team soon and he's going to be the guy to be taking over. And that's, I think, an important component of that, you know, just being able to stand up for your guys at a moment's notice and not shying away from anything. And so I, I just that's a part of his game that I, I really respect and I really enjoyed seeing grow last year is just that additional physicality and, and bite to his game that he really didn't have before. Yeah, that's that's a good point. A lot of it is the physicality and stuff. A lot of, that stuff's important, like in the in the long run, like especially if they make the playoffs someday, like he's got to be able to willing to stand up to people being 100%. like a you know, an offense first defenseman, I guess you would say, but whatever defenseman that scores a lot's on the ice a lot. People are going to try to go after you. So you got to be willing to uh, be aggressive with those guys. My second one is that we see 50 or more combined games of Savoy, Kulik and Benson. Wow. 50 plus combined. I like that though. I, I mean, when you take into consideration injuries, that obviously makes it likely, especially with how well, Zachary Benson too has looked at the start of this year. I mean, who knows how that can end up faring for him and if he's able to stick, but I, I, while I obviously think the nine game trial is maybe the most likely course of action, should he make a opening night roster? But yeah, I think that's an interesting one because we're talking about him so much, understandably. So also, I mean, Savoy was looking pretty good in the prospects challenge and he's a guy that I think everybody was kind of wondering if he was going to be ready to kind of push for that roster spot, you know, the will he, won't he with the WHL and everything. 
And, and then there's Kulik, which I think he's maybe the most physically equipped to play in the NHL on a night-to-night basis right now. I think that in probably more than half of the league, just I think taking into account like the Sabres forward group right now, the contracts that they have on the books and just the wealth of youth that they have of talented youth in the system. Obviously, you know, we're running into a scenario where he's being blocked out a little bit right now, potentially, but I, I think for more than half of the league, he's making an opening night roster for a team. So I, I like this one a lot and I, I agree with you. I think that there's a very good likelihood of it. So, yeah, my logic basically is similar to yours in this one. It's just, you know, I think Benson probably is, most likely to have just the nine games, but what if, like we said earlier, like in the episode last Thursday, uh, what if, what if it's more than that? What if he looks better and he stays up or what if he comes back? Kulik, yeah, I mean, he's in Rochester, so injuries, he could be right up right away, theoretically, or what if they just get rid of Olofsson? And then another one, none of these are individually all that likely, but you add them up and it starts to feel like you're going to see some combo of these guys. Savoy, want to hear a big, what if I was thinking about, what if he's too good for juniors? He's a what draft. That, plus... What does that look like to you? He, oh, okay, him being a draft plus two guy that's a top ten pick. What if he has like forty points in ten games? <laughs> and the Savers are just like, well, what are we going to do with this guy? And there's an injury. I mean, I think you kind of know the question there, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I guess he goes. A... Would he go to World Juniors? Yeah, in the middle of the season. Yeah, so he'd go to World Juniors. Uh. And then after that, like, what if by World Juniors, he just has like, because it's just, it's not that like he's going to be that good, but he was like one of the best guys in juniors last year. Yep. Like points wise. After such a short, uh, the the slow start that he had of the year too. Exactly. Yeah. Like he was, what if he's a three point per game player? Would it be really worth it to keep him down there? I don't know. So my thought is he had all those up and it's comes to me. It seems likely that you're going to get either short stints from all of them, maybe one longer stint from one of them. I think we see at least one game from all of them, but we'll see. Uh, but I'll move on to my third one, which is somewhat related to that one. Victor Olofsson and Jacob Bryson each play fewer than 30 games. Victor Olofsson and Jacob each play fewer than 30. Interesting. Is that taking into account that Olofsson would be traded at some point? Yeah, that's so my thought is Olofsson trade. Bryson, that's more of a gamble, and I could easily see that being wrong. Olofsson, I feel like, is going to be a 13th forward. Uh, he's going to be, like, if they could put, like, Benson in for a nine-game thing, like, he'd be in the box. He, if I think a lot of young guys, they try to play in front of him. Uh, and if everyone's healthy, like, when Quinn comes back, I think he has basically no place with the team. So Quinn comes back in January. That could make, For me, that means all of Olofsson's potential games, or the vast majority of them, will be before that date, first half of the season. It's really cutting down on that possibility. Uh, and then I think he probably gets traded or waived at some point. And if not, maybe injuries mean he stays around. I could be wrong. Bryson, my idea is that some order – Darlene Clifton, Samuelson, Power, uh, Eric Johnson, Stillman, and Yoki Haru are the guys on the roster, yep. which means they have to waive Bryson in that case. And he either gets picked up or he goes to Rochester and comes back for an uh, injury stint, goes back down, and he kind of is the Casey Fitzgerald type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they dropped Casey down once last year in the beginning of the season and no one needed a defenseman, but when they dropped him down again later, someone did. And then that also happened to Pilot last year. 
or am I mistaken? I believe it did. Yeah, I mean, much uh, not on a frequent basis or anything, but I think he was pretty up and down. But I mean, was Pilot actually picked up by another team? No, he no. was. Oh, he's no, no, he oh, no, 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 no. He was Fitzgerald. Up. Fitzgerald was picked up. Yeah, that's what I mean. So I could kind of see that happening to Bryson. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I my uh what i imagine like there will be injuries but what if they just think they can film with cal clegg and ryan johnson <laughs> so that's interesting to think about yeah that's that was another one that uh i was interested in uh do you have anything else to add on that one or should i go to the next one give me the next one devin levi second in calder voting really who do you have winning it <laughs> Bedard. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually had a, a thought on him, but we'll get to that next week. But this is basically just goes back to my faith in Levi and how I think maybe, you know, he actually is ready for this. And he's the not even 1%, like the 0.01%. Because like, you know, most of the like we've gone over a million times. None of the great goalies right now were ready for the shit when they were 21. But if he is, if 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 Levi is a starting goalie for the Sabres making the playoffs at age 21 with as little experience as he had in pro hockey before this year, that's just going to look great to Calder voters. It's not mm-hmm. something we have a lot of experience with. Like, uh, I don't know. I'm not going to make the comparison <laughs> to another goalie that uh, was really high in color voting like mm-hmm. 15 years ago. But uh, anyway, he, I have no idea who you could be talking about. Nah, me neither. Definitely not a guy that flamed out by the time he was like 32. Uh, Levi, <laughs> I mean, I said it like two episodes ago, but he's just been consistently so impressive everywhere he's been that I just, it's hard not to have faith in him. I know this is a really good draft class. I know you're also dealing with guys like Logan Cooley, who were from the previous draft class, who will be up now. There's actually a really good rookie class this year, seemingly. And you will see Fantilli and Carlson this year, I would assume. And then Bedard. So this is a tough one, but I really think if you just have a bunch of forwards, with a lot of points and you have one goalie jammed in there who looks incredible. Could look good for the goalie. I agree. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think like numbers aside, like Levi is going to be the guy for this team. The Sabres are going to lean on him. And if they are good enough to be in a position that they are in a playoff spot, it almost feels inevitable that he would be a top three finalist, especially when you consider like you had alluded to before with some of the previous guys who have been nominees, who have been up there in contention, like whether it's a, a Bennington or like a Logan Thompson or anybody like that, there's another recent one that I'm, I'm totally blanking on, but those guys are all like 24 years old when they're playing. Who's the other one I'm, I'm missing. Um, well, Skinner was a finalist, wasn't he? But he didn't win it. Yeah. Well, even him, what is he? 23, I want to say 24. Yeah. Yeah. So I I mean, yeah, it would be remarkable if he's able to do that an incredible feat. And I think that, I don't know, there's, there's just something different about him. I'm, I'm really excited to see how he's going to step into his own this year. As nervous as I am about them not bringing in another goalie. I, if there's some, any goalie that I think can do what he is about to be tasked with, it's Levi. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my last one is kind of one that's it's not based in numbers as much. It's more of a one you kind of have to, I guess, have some nuance with. But it's Dylan Cousins is the Sabres most improved defensive player. Mm. Most, impl- most improved defensively, I should say, mm-hmm. this year. 
and I think that it's for a couple of reasons. First, just watching his game, it doesn't make that much sense to me that his results are bad as they are. Like, Tage, I get it. Tage is constantly looking for offensive opportunity, and I don't know. Because the other thing with Tage is now he's a center, and he always should have been that offensively, but he has gone through, I don't know, what was it, like eight years dating back to college of not playing center defensively? Yeah. So, like, I, I don't know if he's ever going to be able to turn it around. Like, Jeff Skinner, not his thing. Tuck's already pretty good at it. He's probably as good as he's going to be. Quinn will miss half the season. Paterka, who knows? Krebs, maybe he'll get even better. But the main guy I look at is Cousins, and I see his skill set. And the way he plays, he's tough, and he's tenacious, and he's aggressive, and he hustles. And it's like, there's no real reason he shouldn't be at least a pretty good defensive center. And maybe that's partly a system thing. Maybe Granada wants to work on it more with him. I'm sure... They're all aware that they gave up 300 goals last year, and that wasn't just goaltending. So that's what I think is going to happen. Like, they're going to be committed to getting better on D. Not everyone's capable of that. And Cousins will be the guy that's most capable of it. Now, I, you might be thinking, will Owen Power improve on D more than Cousins? Yeah, probably. I, I mean, I think this is more of like a forward thing. It's really mm -hmm. more of which, which forward's going to improve their 200-foot game the most. And I think it's Cousins. I think that that makes a ton of sense. Uh, you know, Cousins really stepped up offensively last year. He did exactly, I think, what both of us had talked about in this episode last year, where we had said, you know, he had shown some really good signs in his, what was it? His No, his second season, I should say it would have yeah. been. Yeah, and second season. Yeah, he, he showed some good signs there. But really what we needed to see from him was for him to step up in his finishing ability and start producing some points. Obviously he has all the tools. He has the size, he has the speed, he has the the physicality that he's able to play with for being, you know, a center of his size. And last year you could tell that that was a, a very, very much improved and very, very grown player from the one that we had gotten the year before. And you, you don't have to look any further than his, his, finishing ability to be able to do that i mean 30 goals is no joke you know going almost hitting 70 points like he had a damn good year last year and so he with that being said though while he has obviously all of these offensive tools to be able to to thrive and to put up points he also has the traits that you would want in that two-way kind of shutdown center and so absolutely the the hope there is you know, if this guy is able to even be like an average defensive player this year, and I think that that was kind of what you were saying, mm -hmm. that is a major sign of progress for him and ultimately will just catapult his value even more than I'm expecting it to go up this year as it is. Nice. So do you want to get to a word from our sponsors real quick and then we'll get to your predictions? Heck yeah, I do. Folks, this podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. 
Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text OPEN-Y at 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort and licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Lake Charles. 21 and over, but age will vary by the jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. And this podcast is also brought to you by Thin Man Brewery. And folks, we've been talking to you about Minky Day for a few weeks now and still excited. Minky Boodle, who doesn't love it? But there is one change to announce. The date and time are the same. It's Saturday, October 14th from noon to 4 p.m. Uh, but it's no longer at the Thin Man Brewery. It is at Coles on Elmwood and the Coles patio, which we're hearing a lot of good things about, folks. You're hearing more and more about Coles. Great spot, one of the classic bars, and in a, a nice little location. So, hey, Thin Man on Elmwood, that, you know, nice to have that back, even for just a few hours. Uh, and if you're interested in Minky Day, I'll tell you up front, you can get your tickets at thinmanbrewery.com, Eventbrite. Or Thin Man's link tree on Instagram. So wherever you're most comfortable with. Tickets are $45, and that includes a built-in $5 donation to the Men Wear Pink campaign that raises money for the American Cancer Society's fight against breast cancer. Ticket includes, what do you get with it? You get with your ticket is access to the event, exclusive access. No one can go without a ticket. You get a Thin Man glass. You get one 7-ounce pour of each Minky Boodle variant. There's four variants this year. There's also live music from Obstab Dub System and Spooky Steven and a Minky Boodle Mimosa Bar from noon to 1 p.m. and more. You're going to have to show up to find out what the and more is. So the participating breweries that each have one variant of Minky Boodle that you'll only be able to try at this event, Tripping Animals from Miami, Grim from Brooklyn, RAR from Cambridge, Maryland, and Atrium from Louisville, Kentucky. So probably breweries that you're not going to be able to to get beer from a lot and they're each brewing their own take on Minky Boodle. So if you're a fan of sours, a fan of Thin Man, a fan of beer and a fan of good times, your tickets to Minky Day right now. Well said, good sir. Would you like to hear my predictions, Taylor? Yes. All right. Well, I know we said before that we had done a Rasmus Dahlin prediction last year. I think we both did. And I have one this year as well, Taylor, that I'm I'm pretty confident in and I'm pretty psyched about. I'm going to say I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little trio here. I'm gonna go okay. for a three for one, if you will, for Rasmus Dahlin. That one, he is going to sign his contract extension before the start of the regular season. And two and three, in turn, he is going to break both the single season points record by a defenseman while also being the first defenseman to score 20 goals in a season since Phil Housley, becoming only the second defenseman to be able to do so. I think that Darlene last year, it was exactly what... We were hoping for when we drafted him, that kind of player with that level of offensive ability, the, the the playmaking ability, the way that he sees the game, the fluidity with the puck on his stick, the confidence to just make guys look silly with the puck on his stick. And I think that Darlene is going to get his payday. 
Next year, I'm expecting him to step into the captaincy, but I think this year he is just going to be so hungry to get this team into the playoffs that he is going to will them there with just an unprecedented offensive performance relative to Sabres history. So as I mentioned before, Phil Housley is the only defenseman in franchise history to ever score 20 goals in a season. And I confidently think that Rasmus Dahlin will be the second player to do so. And it would only be the sixth time in Sabres history that a defenseman has scored 20 points or 20 goals. Housley doing it five times in the 83, 84 season, the 86, 87 season, the 87, 88, 88, 89 and 89, 90 seasons. Additionally, Housley holds the franchise record now for points by a defenseman in a single season at 81. I'm going to say Rasmus Dahlin is going to be over a point per game player this year, Taylor. And in turn, we'll end up coinciding with your prediction that he is a Norris finalist this year. Yeah, that seems to work in conjunction. Wow, Phil Housley, he could uh, score 27 goals. Could he win 27 games in the season as a coach? No. Anyway, (laughs) so yeah, I I pretty much agree with that. I already went off on Dahlin, so I guess we could go get your next one. Let's move on to the next one. You had talked one about some of the young guys on the team. I'm going to do one that I think is, I think it's more of a long shot, but I want to do something that's a little bit unsafe. And as we were talking about the prospects previously, talked a couple episodes about uh, the last couple of episodes about Zach Benson. I'm going to say that Zach Benson is going to play more games at the NHL level this season than Yuri Kulik, Matt Savoy, and Isaac Rosean. Combined? No. Oh, but he's okay. just going to have more games played in the NHL. Because, again, you would conceivably think that whether he gets the nine-game trial or not, he's ultimately going to end up going back to the WHL, going back to Winnipeg. Maybe he gets some time, too, playing for the World Juniors there, potentially. But I think whether it's he gets the nine-game trial and then he comes up at the end of his WHL season or what have you, I'm going to just say that I think that he's going to end up getting more time. And I think that Yuri Kulik will end up being second on that list, followed by Matt Savoy, but all three will get playing time this year. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think if you just break it down, like Benson gets his nine, uh, Savoy stays in juniors for the most part, Rosen stays in Rochester, and then Kulik comes up, it's an injury replacement, but doesn't get nine games. And it could, that'll be in that case, I would assume, because Lucas Rusek is a, maybe more suitable guy. A guy can just plug in right away and be on the fourth line or something. That would make sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Ready for number three. Yep. Last year, Tage Thompson was the only Sabre to have double digit power play goals. He had 20 pretty impressive (laughs) numbers there. 20 of his 47 were on the power play. The next closest was Jeff Skinner and Alex Tuck tied with eight apiece. I am going to go as far as to say that next year there will be four guys on the Sabres with 10 plus power play goals. Wow. I think certainly a possibility if they're thing is they have all that talent, their power play structure wasn't all that great last year. That's really what it comes down to for me is that yes, there were definite question marks about that, but relative to the rest of the league, they scored at a pretty, pretty solid rate there. And I think that in addition to Tage, I mean, there's plenty of candidates who can end up getting there. I think Jeff Skinner or Alex Tuck obviously are the two main candidates that's put you at three, but then who else aside from that? Well, I mean, Rasmus Dahlin, 
I think again, if he's if we're talking about him being a, an 80 plus point player, he had put away six power play goals last year. Maybe you see that number go up a little bit there. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. Casey Middlestat, if he gets power play one time this year, I think that also is a real possibility, especially if he is able to get those shooting numbers up again, only 135 shots on goal last year for Middlestat, which is just really unacceptable for a player who has the sneaky shooting talent that Middlestat has. Then you can also wonder, you know, is, is JJ Paterka, who is going to be a part of my next my next prediction, is he going to be able to take a really big step with his offensive game this year? I mean, he only, I believe, had two goals on the power play last season. Obviously not great. 12 goals total altogether, but you're really expecting him to take a step, especially playing next to a guy like Dylan Cousins and whoever ends up playing on that other wing until Jack Quinn gets back. But I believe in Paterka, and I think that there's a chance that he could end up really providing a lot of value to this team, both at even strength and on the power play here. Now, a lot of this, I think, also is just going to come down to, of course, like what is the rotation going to look like for that first power play unit? You know, you're conceivably going to have Tage at his spot on the half wall there. You're going to have Skinner and Tuck probably. Maybe Skinner gets shuffled out at some points or another, but there's going to be an opportunity for another forward to get that spot. You would think probably Middlestad is going to get the first crack at it. But in addition to that, I mean, I think that depending on injuries and everything like that, that this team just is filled with talent right now and that there's a very real possibility that we're going to see this power play look better, not even so much because they figure things out structurally, but because of the fact that so many of these guys are in the primes of their careers or are in the process of taking major steps in their careers as well. Yeah, that's, I mean, it's a strong possibility. That's, that's interesting. I think, yeah, you would like to think that we, we like and trust Granado as a coach that they're working on their big deficiencies and power play wasn't a deficiency last year, but the structure of it sometimes was. Very much so. And that was something that we did see to give them credit, though. We did talk about how the structure needed to change. That was a, a huge problem in the beginning of the year and in the first part of the year, if I'm remembering correctly, that it was just way too static. Like guys were standing still. They were really just looking to continuously try and tee up Tage on that half wall there. There was not enough motion happening. There wasn't enough guys, you know, moving their feet out there and continuing to cycle around. And I think in addition to that, you also just had some issues with who was playing where like I thought you had a lot of success at points when you know Dylan Cousins for example was getting played in the bumper slot I think that that is uh, a spot that suits him really well should they continue to use that or should they use that power play structure at any point this season um, then obviously you have Skinner with what a good net front presence he is and how he's able to put away those dirty goals like that so should be interesting to see I'm, I'm excited to see how the power play is going to progress this year and I hope that it's the kind of thing where the power play and the penalty kill, especially for that matter, are able to progress in a way that they get better, not just because of the players being better, but because the coaching staff is able to reflect on last year and is able to adjust their strategies and their setups accordingly. Yeah, that makes sense. What's your third one? This would be number four. Actually. Oh, fourth. Wow. Yeah, that's true. We're ripping through here. J.J. Paterka, I talked about there. I really liked what I saw from Paterka last year in stretches. There were some times, obviously, some stretches of the season where he just he, he wasn't fully engaged, and I think that could just get chalked up to a rookie just getting acquainted to the NHL level, the travel, that many games in, in you know, X amount of days, what have you. But there was a different player that we saw in the World Championships when he was representing Germany. There was a player there that I think had – 
carried a lot of confidence from the season prior and the strong finish to the season that the Sabres had there. And that really bled into his game, I think in the world championships. And part of me thinks that a a real part of me, I should say, thinks that that's going to continue into this season and that he's just going to continue to grow next to Dylan cousins. And so last season, JJ Paterka put up 32 points. I'm saying Paterka is going to hit 50 points this year, Taylor. Yeah. Well, that would, certainly makes sense if he continues to play the second line and like, you know, for example, let's say Casey Middlestad is there continues to improve. That'd be, it'd give him a lot of opportunities to score. And especially if he gets some power play two time, that's uh it's a lofty goal. And I think Paterka is almost an overlooked man now, just because there's so many good current players in the team. And, but then there's also like, when's Jack Quinn going to come back and how good is Savoy? Is Kalik going to be here soon? Benson, we've talked about that multiple times already. And yeah, it's easy to overlook Paterka, who was a, a pretty good NHLer at, what, age 20 last year? Mm-hmm. That's, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that'd be huge for this. If, if he had 50 points, oh my God. That'd be insane. I think it would be a, it'd be huge for them. And again, you kind of need all of this stuff to happen for them to make the playoff run that, that we're hoping that they make. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. To some extent, I think so. I think if they they could make the playoffs with everything staying the same and uh, Levi having like a nine oh five, yeah, I mean I think over, that's over fair. the course of like forty five and fifty games. That's fair. Well, speaking of goaltending, are you ready for my last one, Taylor? Yep. I wanted to get a little bit spicy with this one and maybe leave it up for some interpretation here. Not really interpretation; it's pretty straightforward. But how it end, eventually ends up happening. But Uko Pekalukinen will not be a Buffalo Sabre by the end of this season. Yeah, it makes sense. I think that UPL is going to end up finding himself getting traded at some point, and there's a variety of of avenues that that could you know, end up at, whereas it could be potentially he gets traded if they want to upgrade their backup goaltending situation or if they want to get somebody that's really more of like a tandem with Levi for that matter so that he's not having to take on such a large workload. Or perhaps they want to just give it to Comrie or they take a backup goalie back in return and leave and UPL goes as part of a bigger deal. If the Sabres are trying to make a run for, uh, you know, the playoffs and they want to go make a big upgrade at the deadline and there's a guy available that fits the profile of what they need at the time. I just think that UPL's days with the Sabres are numbered. I think it would be too easy for me to say that he won't be here this time next year. So I thought I would take it a step further and say that he will not be here. UPL will be gone before the end of this regular season. That makes sense. I I really, I think I don't see them carrying three goalies all year. And that means you're either you're putting a goalie on waivers who UPL might get picked up if it's the middle of the season or I don't know if Comrie's fine, then it's like, all right, see a UPL. Also, I don't think Robert, there's any way that UPL gets put on waivers. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Cause he's too much of a trade asset. That's right. so I think your, your thing makes more sense. Cause he's still young. Some teams are going to still want him. How many games least, do you want him to play this year? UPL. Mm-hmm. I don't know. None. Well, <laughs> if that wasn't an answer, <laughs> uh, I, my actual answer is I'd like him to be good. And in that case, I'd like him to play like 30. The way things are going, I don't know. I, I think more like, I don't know what the best case scenario is. I think it's almost like you you give them each a few games early on and Comrie looks pretty good. 
I don't know if Comrie's more likely than UPL. I don't know, man. These guys both kind of suck. I don't know. I don't know. I can't tell you what my answer is there because it's it's hard for me to say it's not zero. I have no faith in him as an NHL goalie right now. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that it makes the most sense for him to obviously to start the year as the backup because I think you have a pretty low risk of Comrie getting picked up on waivers. Uh, but I mean, yeah, for him to have a shot at being here this time next year. He he obviously needs to be good. And I think in that scenario, yeah, you're right. You hit it on the head that probably it's like, I would even go further and say like 35 games, maybe you want right? him to play 35 games. No, I'm saying if everything goes well, Oh yeah. Yeah. If everything goes well and he was pretty good, I just think you have to mix in that there will be some comedy games at least for sure. So I would assume. No, for sure. For sure. Well, Taylor, we have done it. Ten predictions for the Sabres. Five from you, five from me. Do you have any last thoughts you'd like to share? Uh, hmm. I'm trying to think when this episode's going to air. Oh, yeah. This should be airing mm, right before the... October 5th. Yes. So I guess my, my thought is go Bills because I'll be there to see our Hey, our Mr. Bills. London. That's right. I haven't seen the Bills play in, uh, well, yet this year. I'm trying to think when I saw them. Oh, I saw him in the playoffs last year in Buffalo. What am I saying? It was great. We didn't beat we go together by three whole points. No. Or no, we went to, what game did we go to last year? We didn't go to a game last year. We went to the Bills Patriots a couple years ago. Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, my bad. Yeah, the, the Bills only lose when me and Brendan watch together. Until this week, actually. I didn't even think about that. They won mm-hmm. finally and we watched it. We've been on such a losing streak. You and I, I don't know if you realize how much of a losing streak we were on. I can't think of a game we watched together where they had won since 2019. Jesus they beat the Christ. Broncos and we watched your old apartment. I would really like to dispute that, but I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. So with that being said, go London Bills. That's right. Go London Bills. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo. Make sure you're checking out both presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out both of our fellow show, all of our fellow shows. And of course, make sure you're following the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also find us, Straight Up Sabres. And make sure before you close out of this app, whatever you are using to listen to this episode of Straight Up Sabres, that you are following or subscribe to us as we would very, very much appreciate that and a nice little rating or review in the process. Last but not least, we have our wonderful sponsors. Oh, we love them so dearly, folks. It's DraftKings Sportsbook and the promo code THPN that you can use at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And of course, Thin Man Brewery, wherever you're picking up your beer from, folks, make sure you're stopping and getting any of the wonderful variety of Thin Man beers that are on shelves right now. Make sure you're heading to their website, thinmanbrewery.com, and to their social media channels to follow them to keep up with all of the really cool stuff that Thin Man is doing. So with that being said, everybody, we'll be back with a brand new episode on Monday. Thanks so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Sabres. On the bedroom floor.